0: Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin has six lines to fit your style and financing to fit any budget. Through November 30th, choose 12 months no payments and no interest, plus 20% off installation. Set your free consultation now at PellaWI.com.
1: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
2: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Least surprising story of the day. Uh, during this hour of the program yesterday, we, we talked about the, the woman... She's being called Delta Karen. And and I I understand. Whenever I do this, I get a number of very, very nice texts and emails from women named Karen who are saying, we just just hate this idea that, you know, there is this now stereotype that's emerged around the name Karen. And don't you realize that it is unfair to all us Karens out there who aren't psycho crazy starting fights on airplanes? So I, I, I understand. I sympathize with that. And moving into the new year, maybe I'll try to be a little more circumspect in using the term Karen. But right now, now this is the woman who's being described as Delta Karen. If you want to see the um, display, what happened, you, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at jeffwagner Wagner six twenty. But long story short, uh, December twenty third, she is on a flight. It's a Delta flight from Tampa to Atlanta. She gets up, goes to the restroom. As she is coming back, there's a they're they're doing their beverage service, and so the aisle is blocked. She can't get by. Well. She, she goes up to the flight attendant and essentially tells the flight attendant to move. And the flight attendant, if you've ever been in these situations, there, there's nowhere to go. And so the flight attendant says, just, just take an empty seat. You know, it's not a full flight. Take an empty seat until we finish the beverage service. Then you're not going to have any trouble getting to your, your, your seat. She then, this lady, cops an attitude. What do you mean? Who do you think I am? Rosa Parks? You know, it kind of gets in the flight attendant's face. Rosa Parks was, of course, the um, 42-year-old African-American civil rights activist who was um, sitting on on a bus and was told to move um, her her seat to make room for a white passenger in Montgomery, Alabama, in 1955 or something like that, I, I believe. So in any event, she she this lady said, I, what do you, "Who do you think I am, Rosa Parks?" At which point in time, there's this 80 year old guy who's sitting on the aisle, who's right where the cart is, so he's kind of right in the middle of this conversation. He looks up at her and says. Lady, you know, you're 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 not Rosa Parks. This isn't a bus, and we're not in Montgomery, Alabama, or or whatever. And so she then gets just flies into this rage screaming at this guy, telling him, you know, you're not wearing a mask, mask up. Now, he's he's apparently got his coffee and he's he's eating, and the rules are on planes that Um, As as long as you're actively involved in eating, you do not have to to wear your mask. And he says, "I'm, I'm wearing my mask. You mask up. And she starts screaming at him, at which point in time he escalates it, arguably, by you know, saying some bad things back to her, like, go blank yourself. Ah, How dare you tell me that? And then, of course, it just starts screaming. Now, the irony of this is she's screaming at this guy, telling him to wear his mask, and she's got her mask down around her chin. There is spittle flying all over. So the verbal uh, confrontation escalates. And this is all, by the way, captured on, on video, and every third word is a bad word. I said yesterday I was inclined to kind of play. I would have played the the tape of this except for the fact that you'd have to beep out every third word and I'm not kidding about that. So finally this goes on for about 60 seconds. They're screaming at each other and she hauls off and hits him. (laughs) She just hits this guy in the face at which point in time he says you're going to jail. Then she tries to hit him again. Now the flight attendants are grabbing her and trying to restrain her and things like that. Ultimately they get her down in a seat. The plane lands. She's arrested by the FBI. She's looking at a year in prison and um, a fine of up to one $100,000 or, or both. Oh, okay. So we, we talked about should we should be charged. I think the general consensus was, of course. Well, in the least surprising development of the day, her real name is is Patricia Cornwall. And she is a former Playboy bunny. She was like uh, an extra on the Baywatch TV show. She was member of the Oakland Raiders dance team at one point in time. But the least surprising development of the day is apparently this incident on the airplane was not her first run in with authorities. Gee, who would have guessed that? The woman Um, who was arrested apparently has had many other brushes with the law, including just last month when she allegedly tried to fight cops in Florida during an arrest for driving under the influence. She's 51 years old. She allegedly, at which point in time you also want to say, lady, you're 51 years old. What are you doing getting into a fight with some 80 year old guy on an airplane? But that's another story. Patricia Cornwall, I'm looking at the New York Post now, allegedly became aggressive with officers after she crashed her gray Nissan into a tree in Santa Rosa Beach in Florida on November 10th. Uh, the sheriff's deputy says, OK, we we rolled up when we got this report that a car had driven into a tree. She said she was not hurt. And then she became belligerent. Deputy said that she initially refused to exit the vehicle or give them her name. When she finally got out, Cornwall started going after the first responders. Once we stopped her, she tried to fight us. At that point, she was detained for her safety and ours. So, yeah, I guess it's not too difficult to believe. If if after you crash your car into a tree, your first reaction is you want to fight the cops and the first responders, I guess... I understand why you want to fight people on an airplane when you can't get past the drink cart to get back to your seat. Deputies said they had been called to the scene by a tow truck employee who re- responded to the um, crash. They said uh, authorities had discovered Cornwall in the driver's seat attempting to reverse the vehicle. Upon approaching the defendant for assistance, the officer detected an odor of alcohol emitting from, admitting from her breath. Gee, what a surprise! Um, with that, um, okay, then it goes on to say she was previously arrested. Let's see, um, she was previously arrested on December eleventh, twenty twenty, in Los Angeles. Later, pled guilty to having a blood alcohol level of point of zero point zero eight percent or more. And she was sentenced to 36 months of summary probation the same month as the other arrest. Her sister-in-law filed for a domestic violence protection order against her, according to court records. She allegedly sent voice messages to the sister-in-law in in which she threatened her, saying, you are dead. She stated, I just blanked up my whole family and neither uh, and I neither spoke to her prior or provoked this verbal assault. Um Cornwall, that would be Delta Karen, said not to underestimate or doubt her, and all it takes is one phone call, and you are dead. Uh, the sister-in-law said she has bipolar tendencies and paranoia. She believes we are with the government, and I fear for my life and my children. Okay, so we still haven't heard from the woman her version of the incident, except I think it's kind of pretty clear here um. Well, she just kind of went nuts on the airplane and is one of these people that is just kind of this walking time bomb. Does it change my analysis of does she deserve to go to jail for a while? Absolutely not. Does it indicate, though, that this is part of a pattern of behavior? Absolutely. So that's the continuing story of Patricia Cornwall, a.k.a. Delta Karen. Uh, No surprise. She acts up on the plane, and it's not the first time. When we come back... What do you do on Friday night? And have your plans changed? Stick around.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
2: WTMJ is proud to support Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland in Grafton. Enjoy millions of lights, three mesmerizing light tunnels, hundreds of inflatables, a rink for ice skating villagers, a nativity scene, and much more. All right, these are the last two nights. And it's your chance to get in on the fun for Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland in Grafton. And I have a note. Here's what our friends at Capco are saying. As a special thank you to the community for your support again this year, they are going to make the final two nights of Wonderland free of charge to all cars. They are suggesting a donation of at least $10 per car, but people can donate anything they wish. We are open five to eight on both Wednesday and Thursday evenings. Would you mind helping us spread the word? Um, they will still accept toy donations. Current toy count is over 21,000 toys. So tonight, tomorrow, last two nights for Capco's Kids to Kids, Chris Winter Wonderland. It is a spectacular light show. Um, again, free of charge because of the nature of this. And it again, it's, it's, raising money to buy toys for kids. Um, They recommend a donation of $10 per car, but you can donate anything you wish. Two more nights open, 5 until 8, both tonight and Thursday. So only two more times to check it out. All right. After Thursday, after tomorrow, there's something that happens Friday. What is Friday? What is Oh, yes, Friday is New Year's Eve. Now, traditionally, New Year's Eve has been a night of... Well, people handle it one of two ways. Either people kind of stay in saying, boy, there's no way I want to go out to restaurants or no way I want to be in crowds or no way I want to be in groups. I just want to kind of hunker in at home. Or... People say, bring it on. This is the time for a big party. I want to go out to that ballroom that has hundreds of people. I want to go out to that restaurant. I want to be somewhere around people when uh, the clock strikes midnight. I want to have these big celebrations. New Year's Eve is the night I look forward to all year round. Well, again, this is a different year because of that word we hate to talk about, COVID. Last year, New Year's Eve events and celebrations were if not canceled they were greatly subdued well this year now that we have the vaccines and things like that i think the plans were okay it's you still want to be smart because covid is still with us but people have the choice of getting vaccinated we can start to return to normal well that was all before Well, what happened about a month ago where we discovered this variant Omicron, and we've talked about that uh, a lot. But the number of people testing positive for covid is, I believe, higher now than it's been at any time over the last couple of years. Now, the good news about this is that in general, if you are vaccinated and especially if you're vaccinated and have your booster shot, even if you get this, your chances of being seriously ill are not Great. Doesn't mean it can't happen. But that's the big justification nowadays um, for getting vaccinated and boosted, because overwhelmingly the statistics show that if you have that situation, you're and you get covid you're you're going to be asymptomatic or you're going to have mild symptoms i I said yesterday and this is true i know more people in the last month who have been tested positive for covid than i know in the last two years but i mean the good news for all the people i know ranging in ages from eight to 80 plus is eight teenagers i want to be accurate here teenagers to people in their 80s and all across the map they're, they're in is that in all the cases it's been extremely mild Oh, maybe you feel tired. In many cases, completely and totally asymptomatic. So I think that's a testament to why people get vaccinated and get the boosters. Even if it doesn't stop you from getting COVID, it stops you from getting really, really sick, which at the end of the day is the goal. But now you you have just COVID, especially this new variant, that is now kind of running rampant over the last month or so. It's made a huge, huge resurgence. And so with New Year's Eve coming up, Got another one of these stories where you have many, many politicians, many, many health leaders encouraging people to scrap their New Year's Eve plans and stay home for the second year in a row as coronavirus is spread. Internationally, events in Paris, London, Berlin, and elsewhere have been canceled. World Health Organization is pleading with officials to approach these holidays safely, even if it means calling off or postponing a get-together. Other places, for example, Las Vegas, their plans remain unchanged. They're going to have an eight-minute fireworks display along the strip that will cap off a citywide party. So let's tee this up. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, are you scrapping your plans for New Year's Eve? Now, uh, I guess the people I'm really talking to here are people that had planned to go out. A couple of years ago, we had a big New Year's Eve party at our house because of COVID didn't do anything last year. And I think just for a variety of reasons, not COVID related, more related to the fact that we've been running, you know, at breakneck speed, I think our plan for New Year's Eve was something very, 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 very small. I don't think we we did not tend to go to a large party or anything like that, but that's not really because of COVID. It's just because we're going to stay home on New Year's Eve. So we're not doing anything differently because of COVID. We had always planned to have kind of a quiet New Year's Eve. But if you were planning to go out, are you changing your plans? Will you change your plans, or is it going to be business as usual? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
2: 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, as, As I was saying, this New Year's Eve, we we don't have any plans to go out to big parties or things like that. But it's really not because of, of COVID. It's more just like we, we don't have any plans this year to to do that. We've been running a lot. But I, I will say this. I mean, on you know, we, we we have we went we have gone to a bunch of holiday parties. Now we've tried to be smart about that, but we, we have made the decision that we're gonna go ahead and live our lives. Both my wife and I, we've had our vaccinations, we're boosted. You know, if people know that they have COVID, we are kind of counting on them to make sure that they're not going to you know, show up at the things. And, and by and large, most of the people that we hang out with, I think, have been responsible in that regard. I guess I'm looking at this and thinking, if I had an invitation to a party, would I not go? No, well, I think I'd probably still go. Again, recognizing that you've you got to be a little bit careful out there. But at the same time, if you have taken a variety of these precautions... I, and you're not somebody who is deathly afraid. You're not in one of those categories where even if you're boosted and vaccinated, you, you, you're afraid you're going to get COVID and that's going to put you in the hospital forever. I, I, I think I think we have to be willing to start to try to live our lives, doing it in as smart a fashion as possible. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Matt says, Jeff, I'm not going to be changing my plans. I'm fully vaccinated. I had COVID in November um, I think, you know, Omicron and the new COVID, I think for people in my category, it's pretty much just like the common cold. I'm saying Happy New Year. Jeff, I am fully vaccinated and boosted. However, I will not be participating in any large crowd events until 80% of the population is fully vaccinated until 80% of the population is fully vaccinated. Here's the problem with that. I don't think you're ever going to get to a stage where 80% of the population is fully vaccinated. And if that's the case think what's going to happen is you're kind of guaranteeing that you're not going to be going out in public again. Jeff, I'm not changing my plans. My husband just recovered last week from COVID. We've both tested negative. We have a suite in the Dells with another couple, dinner at a supper club, and we're capping the evening at Ho-Chunk to see our favorite local band. We are all excited about going out and doing this. Um, all right. One of our listeners, Laura, who lives in Las Vegas, my husband and I will be celebrating New Year's Eve on the strip. Viva Las Vegas. Um, So you've got that again. Jeff, we've already started partying. Let's get this year over with. Well, I think there's... I think there is a reaction to that. Jeff, Plymouth Cheese Capital, cheese drop at Plymouth Art Center, 10 p.m., free indoor live music, fire pitch, champagne toast at midnight. We will be there. Jeff, we're having a huge party at our house. See, I I, look, I I understand the experts saying, you know, be smart about this, but I, I think what we're seeing in just like a dozen or so texts I've gotten right there that I shared with you, is I think people are ready in many respects to move on. And for people who've made the decision, have gotten vaccinated, have gotten boosted, nobody wants to get it, but they're not gonna put themselves in basements anymore hiding behind sandbags. And that's one of the things I think our our government and our medical advisors need to adapt to moving forward, recognizing that we've gotta figure out how to live with COVID. And if that means encouraging people to get vaccinated and boosted, so be it. I, I think that, that that's all well and good. But this idea that we can go back and lock down and tell people not to go on with their lives, I I think that's a losing proposition.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
2: Wondering what 2022 will have in store? Join WTMJ on Wednesday, January 12th at the Italian Community Center in Milwaukee for an all-day broadcast on the topics that impact your everyday life politics the economy health and more this is your chance to ask questions to big-name guests like wisconsin governor tony evers and milwaukee mayor cavalier johnson wtmj 2022 presented by annex wealth management with food provided by the bartolatto restaurants more for more information go to wtmj.com yeah i'm doing two segments on that one on uh, the economy and one on health so should be interesting we've got segments on politics and Sports. Um, it's going to be quite an event. Looking forward to it. All right. Um, and one final thought on what we were talking about before. Obviously, there are people out there who do not feel comfortable going out in in a world where COVID exists. And and I, especially for folks. And I look. I, I get it. If you're somebody who has significant underlying health issues and are really worried about what would happen if you were to get COVID and you see all these incredible COVID numbers. I, I I understand that. I think that's an individual decision that people should make. I think for a lot of people, though, I'm certainly not going to criticize them if they say, look, we've done all the things that we're supposed to do, and we're intent on going out and, and living our lives, and we're willing to accept what we think are marginal risks, knowing that If we've been vaccinated, if we have our boosters, even if we come down with COVID, and it's looking more and more likely, like almost everybody at some point in time is going to get COVID again, um, but if you've done all the right things, the odds say it's going to probably be mild. And if you're willing to take that risk, I think that's, that's a decision that individuals get to make. But I certainly don't criticize people who have decided, look, we just, we're going to hunker down. If it means we hunker down for the next two years, we're going to hunker down and not go into restaurants or any of that stuff. I respect that as well, which brings me to an industry that finds itself challenged. I'm talking about cruise ships. Now, one of the first Businesses, one of the first industries to be shut down by government order at the start of the pandemic, was cruise ships. And you know, it happened in a variety of forms. You had um, different countries that that closed them down. You had rules that were put into place that effectively stopped cruises from operating. And, And I understand that to an extent. If you're on a cruise ship, particularly a large cruise ship, you're talking about thousands potentially of people all in relatively close contact and all sharing the same space and walking in the same aisleways and sitting in the same uh, you know restaurants and interacting you know in in close quarters in the same restaurants and again at theaters or whatever so I'm, i mean i understand that this was the initial reaction it was to okay let's shut down let's shut down cruise ships well what happened is that that occurred for a while the cruise ships shut down and then gradually like last summer, I think is when cruising started to come back, and they started to offer different kind of cruise ships. And from what I've been told, for 2022, there, there's been an incredible pent up demand, you know, for this. You know, people who like to cruise, whether it's in the big ships or the smaller ships or whatever, want to get back to doing something that they enjoy. And 2022 has, by all objective measures, been looking like a, a big year for cruising. Also. There's no question that the cruise lines have become, you know, smarter about dealing with this. Last, what, last September, we did a, a listener trip to Normandy. It was a river cruise. So it, it, we weren't dealing with a ship where there were thousands of people. We were dealing with a ship where, including crew, there were a couple hundred people. But even then, they had rules that were imposed. When you were in public, areas walking through the hallways and things like that. You were supposed to wear a mask. They had extra sanitation things, all that type of stuff. And I'm glad to say that nobody on our ship, uh, nobody on our ship, you know, contracted COVID. Nobody got sick. It, It all went according to Hoyle. No problems at all. Well, all right. Now you have this explosion of the new variant and there's pressure that's being brought on by both the by the gov by various governments and various people who are saying we should shut down the cruise industry again because the, the truth is that you know cruising is it's it's not possible for it to be a zero risk activity it's just not the chances of getting COVID on cruise ships well it, it's it's high to marginal because the virus spread so easily between people in close quarters. And the truth is, if you're going to be on a ship, you are going to be in close quarters. Well, here it gets really interesting because Richard Blumenthal, who's a liberal Democrat from, from Connecticut, um, he came out yesterday and said, it's time for the CDC and cruise lines to protect consumers and again, dock their ships. Cruises are repeating recent history as petri dishes of COVID infection. So you've got at least one U.S. senator saying what we should do is we should, again, shut down the cruise industry for how long? I don't know. Three months, six months, a year? Don't know. Our number, eight five five six one six one six twenty. that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should the government, or governments in this case, move in and essentially require cruise ships to dock or is this a matter of individual choice among travelers? And should people get the right to decide whether or not they want to take some of the risks that are inherent with taking a cruise? 855-616-1620, that is the ACUNET mortgage talk and text line. For me, I, I think this is up to individuals. I think people should have the right to make that choice. Now, let's not be naive. I think there are probably some people out there who maybe over the next month or two, are, are going to be reluctant to get on a cruise ship. Now, hopefully, we will be past this latest explosion, and and by spring or by summer, you know, this isn't going to be the issue that it is now. But I can understand why somebody might be reluctant to get on a cruise ship over the course of the next couple of weeks. At the same time, do we need the government to come in and say, you can't do this? 855-616-1620, we discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, this is with with the explosion of this new variant of COVID, which, again, tends to be milder cases. But at the same time, um, there's – I don't even know if we have breakthrough cases anymore because you, I know a lot of people vaccinated, boosted, getting COVID again, but they're mild cases. So that's the, the good news about it. But there is now pressure saying, okay, well, these cruise ships – You know, a lot of people close quarters. They should be shut down again. Jeff, if the government shuts down the cruise industry again, I believe the majority will go out of business. One of the reasons Carnival stayed in business was they got rid of a lot of older ships and they were able to operate, um, by people and they canceled cruises, letting them keep their money for a future cruise and shipboard credit. I don't think they could survive another year or two doing this. I took a cruise in October. We have one scheduled for February. The couple were going with us. We're all going with us. We're all vaccinated. I have no worries about catching COVID with the policies that they have in place. Now, the flip side of that is, Jeff, everyone knows a cruise ship is a Petri dish. I wouldn't go on a cruise before, and I won't do it now. It was a Petri dish before COVID, but if people want to go, they should be able to go and suffer the consequences of their decision. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Well, I, I do... I guess I agree with that to an extent. I think if people want to take that risk, they should have the right to do it. Now, having said that, if you've got somebody who is immunocompromised, well, I I, I, I wouldn't be going on a cruise ship if you had somebody like that. But at the same time, if you had somebody who was immunocompromised and for whom... Even a mild case of COVID is likely to result in hospitalization. Well, I think there's all sorts of stuff that I, I wouldn't be doing. But for people who are fully vaccinated, who've had their their boosters, who follow the protocols they've set up on the trips, would I be reluctant to go? The, the answer is no. I wasn't reluctant to go when we went on our last trip in September. You had to In that case, we went to France. You had to have your vaccination. So everybody on the plane had been vaccinated. And I guess there are certain risks that come along with this. But for ordinary people, that is people who've taken all the precautions and followed all the rules, uh, would you go ahead and do it? I, I think my answer would be yes, but I think you got to leave it up to individuals recognizing that there are going to be risks. And like I say, if you've got somebody who's immunocompromised um, or susceptible to serious illness, well, the, the answer is no, but I wouldn't have that person going to the grocery store either. Let's talk to Mary in Waukesha. Hi, Mary.
0: Hi there, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. I, so I do think we're past the point of being able to have the ship stop running but I do wonder do we need to do something for so the people going on the cruise they're making their individual choice and that's great. But then maybe they need to have a certain number of days quarantine when they come back so that the people they interact with, either in the workplace or their child care provider or, you know, whoever else like that isn't impacted by the choice that they made.
2: You, you know what I think is going to happen. Okay. You were, you know, where I think we're going, Mary, in the immediate future. Not just for cruise lines, but I think it's going to be more of this testing. I, I think or I, I got a text from somebody who's going on a cruise in just the last couple, in the next couple of days, and they're saying they're taking those tests on a daily basis. You know, but <laughs> before they get on on the on the boat, uh, just to make sure that they that they don't have it. I, I do think, to your point, I think. Whether it's mandatory or not, you're going to see more and more people who are going to be doing precisely that, at least while we're in the middle of this big explosion, just testing themselves, which is why I hope the Biden administration can get all these testing kits out to people.
0: Certainly. Um, I had some friends that cruised in September, so that was before we were dealing with Omicron. Right. They came, they were fully vaccinated, came back with COVID, and they had dozens of people on their ship that yeah. had it. So I think I agree the testing is great, but I think we maybe even need some days of quarantine. Because I don't think the people that you work with, the people you interact with need to have an impact from the cruiser's individual mm-hmm. choice.
2: No, thanks. And I, I appreciate that. I guess the the flip side though, Mary, is, is you can make that argument about almost anything. So you have people who, all right, you're, you're going to the I don't know I don't know when the Bucks play their next home game. So you're going to Pfizer Forum, and you're going to be sitting around all sorts of people who may or may not be vaccinated or may or not be feeling well. So I mean, how I guess the, my problem is how far in the real world do you carry something like that? Do you say okay, well you were you were in a public gathering where there are eighteen thousand people, so you know you need to be quarantined because you don't want to go to work because you might have inadvertently picked this up or I it, it, I guess that, that's the problem with wrestling with this, which is how far do you go in doing that? Because like I say, I, I just I know lots of people who've fully vaccinated, boosted, come down with COVID in the last month. Again, all these mild cases. But but they they do all the right things. These aren't people who are engaging in risky behavior. And in most cases, they have no clue where it where they got it from. It was just they were going out and about in public. So. The the issue becomes, how much can you quarantine people? Now, that is one, one of the things why I think as, as we make more tests available, and I don't want to turn this hour of the program into a political thing, but if you want to criticize Joe Biden, it, it's not for rolling out testing and, and making them more available. It's the fact that they were so tardy in doing it. And if it was Donald Trump, you know, who is now saying, okay, we're going to, uh, you know, roll out 500 million tests or whatever. Um, the argument would have been, why didn't you do it six months ago? Nobody's asking that of the Biden administration, but I hope they can get these things out there. Cause obviously, if you have people who can easily test themselves, most people, if they test positive, they're, they're, they're not going to go out and they're not going to expose anybody. The, the problem, of course, with this latest variant is at least the numbers I've seen say that as many as 40% of the people who, who might have it, even after being vaccinated and boosted they don't they, they don't know that that they have it so the question becomes how how quarantine do we how much quarantine do we go through jeff i do not believe cruise ships need to be closed down however i do uh, believe all members of the cruise should be vaccinated um now that's interesting i and i guess i don't know off the top of my head whether there are cruise ships that you can go on nowadays, if you aren't vaccinated, the the cruise that that we did. Now it was a river cruise, smaller ship, uh, but the cruise that we did. You, first of all, you you have to be vaccinated, and you have to have proof of vaccination to fly overseas. The cruise line we were on for the cruise we did, you had to be vaccinated. I mean, that was and you had to show proof of that vaccination in in advance. So I'm not sure that there's any cruise lines that are operating where you have people that are unvaccinated on them. I don't say that definitively, but like I say, the one I went on, everybody had to be vaccinated. Jeff, the reality is, um, you know, COVID is here to stay. Well, COVID is here to stay, but. We're back to where we were two years ago with the idea of flattening the curve. I I agree. COVID is here to stay, and it's why I... I I don't wish this, but I think the truth is almost, almost everybody's going to get COVID. Maybe you're going to get COVID multiple times. I mean, I, I think that's the case is this is the virus tends to mutate. The good news, the silver lining about what's going on now is that as a general rule, that this new variant, while highly contagious, tends to be mild, especially in people who are vaccinated and or boosted, which is to me the justification for getting vaccinated and, and boosted. I, I, I do think... You know, it is going to be with us. And I think at some point in time, enough people are going to get exposed to it. And it's going to weaken to the point that it becomes the word that the doctors use is endemic. In other words, it, it, it is, it is a virus similar to the flu, similar to the cold. Now, I know it's not at that stage now, but I think that's ultimately the hope. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I agree. I think it's going to be seasonal. I think you're going to see just like you see, you know, the, we talk about the cold and flu season. Well, I think you're going to have the, the COVID season as well. The trick is just make it become endemic enough where People who get it don't need to be hospitalized, and, you know, you don't have the, the hospital system overwhelmed. Um, Jeff, you have to be – there's a couple of people saying you have to be vaccinated, for example, on the carnival line. Also, the, the crew has to be vaccinated as well. I think that's the majority of situations where they do, in fact, you know, require that. Uh, maybe there's some cruise line that's not, but that's that's it. Jeff, you say that it's up to the individual to make their own choice. But they take the risk on their own. But aren't they also putting the public at risk? Well, okay. First of all, you just take the risk yourself as to whether you're going to go on a cruise. That's the decision that you end up making. And if you feel uncomfortable doing that, well, then you, you, you stay home. And that, that's okay. If you go on a cruise you recognize that, gee, I'm going to be in close contact with people and I am taking a a risk. So you balance that out, just like if you go to a basketball game, just like if you go to a a large office Christmas party with 250 people that are there. Just like you go to any sort of event, you are taking a a risk. Now it might vary in degree, but you have to decide individually what you are comfortable with. And for people who have taken all the other precautions, I guess my point is, I I think you, you get to live your life. Hopefully you will do it in a smart fashion. You'll take the precautions. And then again, you have to potentially accept the consequences, which is, hey, I might have picked up COVID. And that means that, you know, for most people, I'm going to have to isolate for a couple days, I'm not going to be able to go to work or whatever. And I might feel uncomfortable. But we got to figure out a way to live with this, don't we? Live from the
1: Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff
2: Wagner Show, and now WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. As I mentioned at the start of the show, this is my my last show for the year 2021. I'm, I'm back on, on on Monday, but. I always like to take a a look back and it's it's one of those things that maybe as you get a little bit older, you you start looking at the list of of notable people who passed away in the, and I don't mean to be morbid about this, but you you look at a list of the the notable people who passed away in say 2021 and you start to say, my my gosh, you know, many of these people were soundtracks in many respects for our life. And you you kind of forget how how many notable people we we lost, and I, I want to go through at least some some of the folks that passed away, and then kind of circle back to something that happened yesterday. Um, Harry Reid, who was the uh, the leader of the Democrats in the Senate, who was just a dominant political force for the longest time. If you fly into Las Vegas, the Las Vegas airport has just been renamed. renamed. It, it used to be McCarran International. Now it's, it's Harry Reid. Uh, they, they've named, renamed it for him. Uh, Benjamin Tutu, uh, Desmond Tutu uh, passed away just in the you know last few days. Joan Didion, who was the noted author, got a lot of attention. Anne Rice. Passed away uh, not that long ago. She's, of course, best known for her Vampire Chronicles books and Interview with a Vampire. Al Unser Sr., a multiple winner of the Indianapolis 500. Passed away at the age of 82. Lee Elder. Um, broke a lot of the different uh, color barriers. He was the, an African-American golfer, first African-American to compete in the Masters Tournament in Georgia. He ended up passing away. Stephen Sondheim died at the age of 91. Sondheim, of course, you know, some people think of him as the greatest American uh, composer ever. Uh, Bob Dole passed away at the age of 98, just recently as well. Colin Powell he passed away this year. Dean Stockwell, Dean Stockwell, um, the actor probably best known for his supporting role in the TV show um, uh, Quantum Leap. but uh, you know he had passed away as well. Uh, Jane Powell, 92 famous actress Norm McDonald, passed away at the age of 61. Willard Scott, the longtime today weatherman, Ed Asner, mary tyler moore show. passed away at the age of 91 charlie watts the drummer for the rolling stones don everly passed away at the age of 84 part of the famous everly brothers as well I mean, the list just kind of goes on and on and on of people who ended up passing away during the year 19, uh, you know, 2000. Donald Rumsfeld, Ned Beatty, the actor probably best known for his role in Deliverance. Effley Bailey, the famous uh, lawyer. B.J. Thomas, you know, his famous song was Raindrops Keep Falling on Your Head. He ended up passing away. Charles Grodin. Um, known for his comedy work in movies like Heaven Can Wait and Midnight Run and things like that. Um, he passed away at the age of 86. Olympia Dukakis, um, of course, very well known for her role in Moonstruck. She passed away at the age of 89. Michael Collins, one of the um, astronauts, one of the first three-person crews on, a, on Apollo 11. He was the one, Michael Collins, was the one that stayed in the command, stayed in the uh In the command module, while uh, the other two went down to the moon, Walter Mondale passed away at the age of 83. Boy, you kind of go through this list. Jim Steinman, he was the musical collaborator with Meatloaf, and they wrote, like, Bat Out of Hell and all that stuff. He passed away this year. Ramsey Clark, who was the attorney general under Lyndon Johnson back in the 60s. Boy, it just kind of goes on and on. G. Gordon Liddy. Of Watergate fame, passed away at the age of 94. Larry McMurtry, uh, the author of a wide variety of books, including Lonesome Dove, which I think might be the greatest Western ever written. He passed away at 90. Um, George Siegel, um, who of course was a very famous actor. Marvin Hagler, remember the great boxer? Marvin Hagler passed away at the age of 66. The list just kind of goes. Vernon Jordan, Rush Limbaugh, passed away at the age of 70. Everybody knows him. Larry Flint, the publisher of Hustler magazine, ended up passing away. Mary Wilson, one of the original Supremes. George Shultz, former Secretary of State, he died at the age of 100. Leon Spinks, the boxer, died at 87. Christopher Plummer well, from uh, Sound of Music, he passed away as well. The list just kind of goes on and on. Cloris Leachman died at the age of 94. Hal Holbrook died at the age of 95. Larry King, 87. Hank Aaron, beloved to Milwaukee baseball fans, baseball fans all over, passed away at the age of 86. Uh, Joanne Rogers who was married to Fred Rogers. Mr. Rogers, she passed away at the age of uh, 92. Um, hmm. The list just kind of, it's amazing when you Tommy Lasorda passed away, the list just kind of goes on and on and on. And that list was added to yesterday by the sort of surprise announcement of the passing of John Madden. John Madden, I think if you want to talk about the definition of somebody who, if you want to say it was a life well lived, th- that is how you would describe John Madden. He started out, as a college assistant football coach at the age of like 23 or 24, and then you know became a, a pro assistant coach. Then became the coach of the Oakland Raiders at a very, very young age. He coached the Oakland Raiders for like 10 years until he retired. I want to say it was like in the late 1970s after he had, after they had won, you know, a Super Bowl and things like that. He retired at the age of 42 from being a head coach. Who, who walks away from head coaching football at the age of 42? Well, John Madden does. But John Madden, you want to talk about then reinventing yourself. He, he went on and, to to generations of football fans he embodied what it was like to be a football uh, a football analyst and i think you know he worked for i believe all the major networks i mean john john madden was kind of a natural tre- national treasure and then in addition to I mean, being the broadcaster that he was on football, then you had him exposed to a whole new generation of of people when they they came out with, what was it, EAA Sports, came out with the the Madden football games in 1993, and and now they're just known as as Madden. You know, they've they've got the new edition of Madden that's come out. And, And all the while, John Madden, I think, kept his sense of humor and kept his everyman quality. Well, anyways, he passed away yesterday at the age of 85 they're, they're not announcing the cause of death. Apparently it was, it was unexpected. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. I, I did because John Madden transcended the game of football. You know, you, you don't have to be a football fan to know about John Madden. Now, obviously, if you are a football fan, you you do. But John Madden, I think, was able to develop the, this acclaim and this persona um, that, again, transcends football to the point that, you know, even people who don't care about football, even people who don't watch football, well, they know about John Madden. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, in the wake of the passing of John Madden, what was it that made him so special I mean you you have there's all sorts of people that call football games there's all sorts of people that call baseball games there's all sorts of people that that call basketball games and and when they pass it's not like the whole world stops and says oh my gosh I I knew about that person 855-616-1620 what was it about John Madden that made him so special and so popular. I've got some thoughts, but I'm curious as to yours. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Back to
1: Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620.
2: Eight five five six one 616 to text your Jeff. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to John Madden and Pat Summerall calling NFL games. I heard a story once about John Madden that I don't think it could have been his coaching, but when he was announcing, he hated to fly, so they drove him around the country to different cities to do broadcasting in a big mobile home. Do you know if that's true? <clears throat> it, it, it is true. I, it was actually, they used to call it the Madden Cruiser, and it was, a, it was like a tour bus is what it was. But yes, John Madden was incredibly claustrophobic. And so that was one of the big shticks. And they, the, he would drive from city, the, he would be driven from city to city in the Madden Cruiser and things like that. And if you just looked at the amount of time that the guy spent on the road, it was just unbelievable. One of the things that I really respected about Madden is, and I respect this about people in broadcasting, who make it look easy when it's really not John Madden made it look easy. But John Madden, everybody says that there was nobody that worked harder than him as far as as preparation, as studying game film, as far as getting to the cities and interviewing the players, and then you know really putting in the homework and then being able to distill that so when you're on Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football or whatever, you're then able to communicate it and and making it look like it's easy when it's really not, and it's a whole lot of hard work. I mean, I think a lot of times we look at people on TV, or listen to people on the radio and say, oh, that's that's just really easy what it is that they do. And the truth is, a lot of times it's not. There's a lot of hard work, but the really great people are the ones who can make it look like it's seamless and easy. Let's start with uh, Dan and Sturdivant. Dan, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hey, Jeff. Happy New Year to Same you. Same to you, sir. A couple of quick things. Uh, first of all, you know, he was a bigger guy, and he you got the impression as a Kid at the time that he didn't necessarily care how he looked. It's not like he was that polished in how he looked, but like you said, he was very polished in how right. he came over the air. And the other thing I think of, compared to the guys you see and gals you see these days, I don't think we would know his politics back then, right. because we didn't hear him say crazy things like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman say about flyovers. He, was, he just did his job and he did it well, I, and we're, we miss him.
2: Yeah, you know, I think he was... He was the ultimate common man, or at least he certainly gave that impression. He was the kind of guy that you'd sit down and you'd think, if I ran into him in a bar on the south side of Milwaukee, I'd love to sit down and have a beer with this guy. And, and you wouldn't necessarily know that he had done what he did. It just, he was struck me as kind of an interesting, approachable, fun sort of guy. That common man characteristic, which I, I think is so, so important and so appealing. So thanks for the call. 855-616-1620. Let's go to um, Tom. Tom in in Watertown. You're on WTMJ.
1: Hi, Jeff. Happy New Year. Same to you, sir. You know what what I'm going to say is I learned a little more about football from John Madden because of his X's and O's. Right. He had a way of putting these X's on the screen and the the corners lined up here, the safeties lined up there, and there's where the receiver went. And you just knew a little more about the game from his X's and O's.
2: You know, it's interesting you mentioned that Tom because he was one of the first guys that worked with with the telestrators. You know that now now it's kind of a commonplace and everybody does it. But really, when Madden started doing it, there there weren't a lot of people that that were. And you're exactly right. It helped. Look, I I, I never played foot I never played football at any significant level. I never coached football. But I loved the game. But he helped explain the intricacies of the game to just, you know, average people and say, Okay, I I understand why they're doing it. You're right, that Telestrator was great
1: and they had that great documentary it's weird that he passed away now because they had that great documentary on him on saturday before
3: the packer game
2: yeah i didn't get a chance to see it um and but now i, I want yeah. to i'm sure that i'm sure it'll be out there because I, I understood it was wonderful no thanks for calling and it is weird because again they you're right it was like a couple hour documentary that they had on the life and times of, of john madden and then you know weirdly he passes away later here here's one of our texters lou who says jeff John Madden was a Hammenager. He was not good looking. He was not into himself. His observations were not biased. He knew the sport of football. He related with the common man. Um Howard Cosell was a lawyer with a large vocabulary. Madden broke it down for you. He will be missed. Yeah, that's I, I mean, I, I agree with all those different things. I mean, Howard Cosell, you know, who was, I mean, one of the people as the personalities that kind of propelled the popularity of Monday Night Football, Howard Cosell wasn't an approachable, likable sort of guy. You you watched Monday Night Football then because you kind of wanted to to hear what he said and his interactions with Don Meredith and with Frank Gifford and things like that. But, but John Madden was a guy who, didn't need to be bigger than the game. He didn't need to make himself the star, but I, but I think he, he was. Jeff, don't forget, he's also the guy that brought us the Trudukin, um, at Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's as well. But it was one of those kind of fun things that are out there. Jeff, I thought Madden seemed to be a genuinely good guy with a homespun attitude. He was always ready, willing and able to meet and get along with everyone. Yeah, that, that was always the impression. You didn't hear these stories of, you know, John Madden, hi-hatting people or things like that, I, and I think it, again it was reflected in the, the the work quality. I mean, I was reading some of the the descriptions of him afterwards, and it's these people talk about you know, just how hard it was, how, how he really worked, how he took the job seriously, how much time he put in, and how I think he always viewed himself as being blessed to the extent that he had just one of the greatest jobs in the world and, and he, Knew it. Jeff, Madden once said, the team that scores more points is most likely to win. I think that was priceless. Yeah, that was a good. Jeff, I think Madden had a quality that everyone could identify with. He was never fake, never put on airs. Like you said, he felt like you'd like to have a beer with him, and he also had great insights. That, you know, that was, I mean, look, l- let's face it, John Madden was not a pretty boy in any way, shape, or form. You know, he wasn't somebody that was obsessed, I think, with his appearance. He just, he looked like that average, Sort of guy that you would expect to see on that corner bar stool, and he was cool with that. You didn't see John Madden being forced to, gee, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to lose 50 or 60 pounds. Anyways, this is, I am what I am. And, you know, I'm comfortable with myself. And I think that's an amazing thing because he was comfortable with himself and other people became comfortable with him. A number of people are saying the same thing. John Madden was great because he was an ordinary guy and he was colorful. Um, plus, I mean, it took a special guy to ride herd over those 70s Raiders teams. I just can't imagine. In today's day and age, you don't have Football coaches that just walk away at the age of forty-two. You you just you just don't. Um, and, And John Madden did. He obviously he felt he had accomplished. All he could accomplish in that particular arena, and so he was ready for other challenges. And let's be honest, the, the, the Madden video game, which is, I think, arguably um, the most popular sports video game of all time, that, that also kind of introduced him to multiple generations of fans as well. And in any event, John Madden passing away at the age of 85, it is a classic example to me, like I said, of a life well lived. Sail on, Mr. Madden.
0: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
2: Now, Melissa Barkley, it's interesting. This morning, I was multitasking. I, I was... There was this... Continuing legal education seminar on about music copyrights and stuff, and and I, w- I was watching it, and which is what I do in my spare time, which maybe says something. But it was it was all it was actually really interesting because this copyright lawyer talking about the Beatles. That mm-hmm. was like the Beatles get back and just saying, it, w- what a what a mess their finances became with all the different contracts. And it was actually kind of interesting explaining the different copyrights. And you you copyright the, the lyrics and you copyright the song and you copyright the performance. And there's all these different things. And how, again, the Beatles just kind of um, that they, they signed a deal. They signed all these really bad deals, which mm-hmm. is why early on none of them had any money because everybody <laughs> no. else was getting the stuff. Yeah. But it was really it was it was kind of interesting, that is to, talk interesting. About, to talk about a copyright law from the perspective of music, music copyrights in particular, and how these bands Really need see when you're a young band starting out the idea is you just want a record contract you don't care what you sign you don't think about right you know yeah. if you write if you, you write these incredible yeah but you don't you just yeah. oh my god they're gonna put out a record with my, with our name on it great you know that that's and we're gonna be famous and then you don't think about when you have this huge hit where all the money and then you're wondering why well, am I not getting any money And then you
3: this? can think about all these groups like Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven. I mean, right. copyright laws when it comes to musicality and like the notes you use may sound right. like another person's notes and right. that gets really technical and kind of
2: weird. Well, it was in, I guess I, I spent a couple hours this morning which which <laughs> might, yeah. might be a sign of somebody desperately in need of a life but I found it to be absolutely fascinating. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I was kind of like, Well, you're oh. learning
3: something new. Well,
2: I am and you know to keep your law license active you have to get over a two-year period you have to get a certain number of continuing legal credit so i take these i just you know just you just check in and you watch sure. the thing but it, it, this was one that was really interesting and it gave me some insight into the beatles and that we just had Very to get nice. back from the beatles so and they were talking about that song in particular and how it just got messed up with all the different you know litigation in any event
1: jeff wagner on wtmj
2: Let me say at the outset, I like the Milwaukee Public Museum. I have have been to over the years, as somebody who grew up here, I can remember as a kid, you take bus trips, like school bus field trips down to the museum. I can remember as an adult, going to various events that were held at the museum I I, I never got tired of going to the uh, streets of old Milwaukee that that display that was there. I can remember being there when I when they had various traveling exhibits that they would bring in like the, the the King Tut thing I remember they had there the Titanic one I thought that was a fascinating one so I mean I have gone to the museum from time to time and and I think it's a public treasure there, there's no question about it at the same time, I can't remember the last time I was at the museum. So it certainly... You know, five years, 10 years, probably closer to 10 years than five years, maybe, maybe even longer than that. Now, just because I don't go to it doesn't mean that other people don't go to it. But I think for a lot of folks, just like a lot of the great things that we have around here, for example, like the domes. You talk about the Mitchell Park domes, and people say, oh, that that's great. I, I just love it. And then you say, okay, well, when's the last time you went to the domes? Well, uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. and And the problem you have is that, you, you know these these places, these cultural places, which are important to the cultural background of the community, they cost a lot to maintain, and they are always trying to reinvent themselves to again attract new folks to come in. Well, the Milwaukee Public Museum is is right square, smack dab in the middle of of a the question of wh- where do they go for the future. They want to move the the current museum, the the building. They say it's too big, it's inefficient. they have over fifty million dollars in deferred maintenance projects, and the the estimate is to to fix up the building to do what they want to do to move it into the future would cost like one hundred and thirty million bucks and, and then you'd still have an old building. so what the people that run the museum, the idea they came up with is okay let's let's scrap that building and let's start from scratch let's build. A completely new building, um, north of, on, on kind of like North 6th Street. And, you know, what we'll do is we'll, we'll just start over from scratch and we'll make this, you know, we'll make it exactly what we want it to make and this will be something that establishes us for the future. Okay, well, that's great. The estimates are the cost of this new building and they want to begin construction in 2023. So a year from now, um, the estimate is that it's going to cost somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 million dollars to do this so you got to figure if the estimate is 250 million chances are probably you're looking at north of 300 million but we'll just work with 250 million the state has committed 45 million dollars towards the project however the project goes nowhere unless Milwaukee County also comes up with 45 million bucks. And then once the county comes up with that, then the plan is to sort of aggressively launch their private fundraising campaign and see if they can raise the remaining amount, which is still a lot. They want to raise 150 million bucks. Um, but but one of the precursors of this is is getting the county to pony up, you know, 45 million dollars. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this reasonable and is this feasible? And, and I say this because if you haven't noticed, Milwaukee County is, for all intents and purposes, broke. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and you, maybe that's overstating it, but but not really. I mean, I, I'm looking at stories about how the, the park system is underwater and is financially unsustainable, and they're looking for new revenue sources. Where are we going to get money to operate the parks? I mentioned the Mitchell Park domes earlier, something that's very near and dear people. But but the Mitchell Park domes, you know, we've been talking about this for years. The, the word is there, there needs to be a major infusion of cash, millions and millions of dollars, to try to you know preserve the Mitchell Park domes, and nobody knows for sure where that money is going to come from the courthouse in particular the safety building it's it's way past its useful life and at some point in time county taxpayers are going to have to come to grips with the reality that, that you need you need a courthouse you need a safety building and they're going to have to figure out how where the money is going to come from to pump in 50 million, 100 million, 150 million, whatever it is to rebuild the courthouse. And that's not, that, that's just some of the things that come to mind before we even start talking about all the other day to day expenses that, that you have and the different programs that you want to finance and all these things. So you've got, you know, a museum that's now saying $45 million, and, and then that'll give us the basis to go out and raise 150. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage talk and text line. I, for one, even though it has been ages since I've been to the museum, I appreciate that a public museum is, is a value to a community. At the same time, I also look at a community where there are incredible financial needs that are out there that are all competing with each other. And I sit there and I think, okay, where, where is the $45 million from the county going to come from? And what are we going to have to forego to come up with that 45 million. And then even if you get that 45 million, is it realistic in today's day and age to say that you're going to be able to get private financing for another 150 million? Is is it a realistic, is it in the real world? All right. Should they be going ahead with these plans, these plans to build a new museum, and I understand the compelling reasons why you 'd want to I understand you build a smaller facility it 's more state of the art it 's more suited, and it 'll be there forever. I, I get all that I understand that, but you still have to be able to figure out where you 're going to get two hundred forty two hundred and fifty million bucks or more. Is it reasonable? What do we do with the public museum? Do we continue just saying, okay, we're going to go along with what it is, where it is now, and we're going to make do as best we can, and we're going to continue to defer maintenance? Do we say maybe we can't afford to have a museum? Or do we say, okay, let's blast ahead. It's $45 million. We don't know where it's coming from, but let's get it, and then let's hope that they can raise the other $150 million. What do you do, and what should happen with the museum? 855-616-1620. We discuss.
1: This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ.
2: Okay, so see, here is the economic reality that people have to deal with. Remember, I was mentioning the Mitchell Park domes that that are beloved by people, including you know people who probably haven't been there in in decades. But I I appreciate there's a cultural value to them. The estimate has pulled this up during the break. The estimate is to do the necessary repairs slash renovations to the domes. They're they're looking at sixty six million bucks. That's just for the domes. Now, there's been all sorts of stories out over the course of the last month or two, talking about how the county parks are are just completely and totally underwater when it comes to funding. And essentially, there's a lack of revenue that's there. And there's just I mean, essentially, they say that there's just not enough revenue that is coming in to even meet like the maintenance needs at, at the parks. And and this is before we even talk about in the Mitchell Park domes. So you've got that. And then, of course, on top of that, you've got the public museum that's now saying, well, we we want the county to come up with 45 million bucks. And then once we get that 45 million, that'll be kind of seed money. And then we're going to go out and we're going to raise 150 million dollars. All right. Well, I mean, to me, there's, there's two questions. First of all, is it realistic to expect that the museum will be able to raise $150 million in today's climate. Is that reasonable? Secondly, where is the $45 million going to come from? And what is the the, the trade-off? Would we rather, do you invest in the domes? Do you invest? We're not even talking about the courthouse, which is I think at sooner or later that's going to be a major need. So you've got the courthouse. Do you put it in the parks? What? Where do you you do this? Now a number of people are texting with the idea of well, you know, we had the half percent sales tax for Miller Park that is now expired. I think we should do that for you know cultural enhancement. Oh, okay. And then a number of people are saying, and by the way, we recognize to generate enough money, we we need to make it a five county sales tax, and I, and I, and I chuckle with that because I have been doing, I've been doing a radio show in this market for long enough that I remember the Miller Park fight. I still have the psychological scars um from from all the the battles that we fought about trying to get Miller Park now American Family Field built and people in surrounding counties arguing well what benefit do i get in Racine County from you know putting a baseball stadium you know at the, out there i i get no benefit and you know ultimately after it cost at least one legislator his 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 job and after lots of angst and lots of arm twisting ultimately you were able to get legislators that supported that five-county tax and it went in and I would argue that 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 was money well spent okay well flash forward that's the 1990s flash forward to 2022 I can I see a show of hands from anybody who lives outside of Milwaukee County that would support a tax a sales tax in Waukesha or Racine County, or Washington County, or an Ozaukee County that would be used to finance the Milwaukee Public Museum. I I, I mean, it would strike me in the real world, it is a complete and total non-starter. If you were to have a a sales tax and you were to limit it to Milwaukee County, okay, then the question becomes how much revenue you're going to generate and where do you... how. How do you decide? Do we say, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna kick in millions of dollars to underwrite the museum. Um, but at the same time, the sales tax is only gonna generate so much money. So then do we, we turn the, what do we say to the park system? Okay. You're, you're not getting money in the park system. You're not getting money at the Mitchell Park domes. We're, we're not getting money to refinance or do stuff out at the zoo. Wh- whatever these are. I, I guess these are the hard choices that need to be made in a perfect world. If we lived in a perfect world where you know we could eat all the chocolate ice cream we wanted and not gain weight, you know we'd say go ahead with this proposal. Let's build the new museum on the new site. Let's make it state of the art. Oh, and and by the way, we're we're already going to have the extra tax to expand the convention center downtown, despite the fact that nobody's going to conventions. But that's that ship has already sailed. At some point in time, do we need to have? I think what we have to do is come down and, and figure out our, our priorities. And if we want to say that the museum is the top priority, okay, that that's fine, that's the top priority. But then explain to people at the park system or the zoo or wherever or the domes that there, there's not going to be money for yours. But we have to have some sort of prioritization of this, because otherwise it it, it doesn't make sense to say, okay, we're going to embark on this this huge fundraising campaign and we don't know for sure whether there's any realistic chance that we're going to get it. If you can't make the move, then the only smart thing to do is continue treading water and figure out how to leave it where it is and and make the best of what is not a great situation. Now, if you decide that the museum is the top priority and let's give it $45 million that we don't have, we'll figure out where the money is going to come from later on. That's all well and good. I would Expect a commitment from the people at the museum, then show me the plan and the realistic chance that you have of raising $150 million. Because in today's economic climate, uh, absent the Jane Pettits of the world who, you know, were willing to write a big check, absent somebody who's going to come up and write that really big check, where is the money going to come from? I don't think that's an unfair question to ask.
1: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
2: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Uh, as I mentioned at the start of the program, this is my last program for 2021. My, where does the time go? I'm off tomorrow and Friday. I'll be back um, Monday to start the new year. So, as often happens, the hour frequently gets away from me, and before that happens, I do want to start off by saying a very special thank you to everybody who's spent some time with me over the course of the last year. I really do very much appreciate you listening to the program, and I know for a lot of people it hasn't just been for the last year. It's been, well, I've, I've been doing show on WTMJ uh, since 1998, so I, I very much appreciate it. I, I never take for granted the fact that I know you have a lot of different choices and that you choose to invite me into your home or your car on a on a regular basis and listen to the program and i always lo- love the feedback when i'm out and about and it's so nice to talk to people who've found the program maybe in the last year or two who have been listeners for the last several years somebody one of, one of our texters a while back said well you know you're old and this is a reference to me you must you must be feeling like you're old when you you know you tell the the same story You know, And I said, well, actually, maybe the real indication is, you know, you're older, you've been listening for a long time, when you've been listening for such a long time that you hear that that story repeated from time to time. And the response was was touche. But um, whether you're a new convert to the program or whether you've been somebody who's been listening for the last 23 or 24 years, I I do want to say thank you very much. And on behalf of myself and my wife, Fran, who constantly gets talked to in the grocery stores and things like that about how, gee, I, I heard about this or heard about that or Jeff was saying this and she I think enjoys that a lot. So on behalf of my wife and I and our little dog Sasha, thank you very much for listening to us over listening to me over the course of the last year, the last several years and I want to wish you a very happy new year and I sincerely hope that you know all all your unrealized dreams that might not have come true in 2021. I hope they come true in in 2022. And I look forward to being here to discuss those various issues with you. 2022, I think, is going to be a very big year. To that extent, I know people always have questions about, you know, what goes on behind the scenes and things like that. Well, tonight at 6 o'clock, our... He's got so many titles, I, I lose track of them. But our, our general manager, vice president, uh, Steve Wexler, is going to be returning to the microphone. And so, from six to seven, he's going to be doing what essentially is I describe as an open line. It's like ask 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 Wex anything or something like that. And if you've got questions about stuff that goes on at the station, you you should feel free. You're entitled to free. free call in and and ask and i understand there's you know some people who wonder why you know why is this happening or why is that happening or when are you moving downtown or all those different things and um i think you know it's an opportunity to discuss these things with the general manager i will say this and and i mean it i mean it sincerely i'm i'm really past the point in my career of needing to like like suck up and stuff like that I, i will say one of the, the things about working for good karma, and now good karma has owned WTMJ for the last like three plus years. One of the things that I have really been struck with working for, for good karma, and, and I think this was probably true of, of other iterations as well. It's one of the reasons this is such a, a good place to work is as a general rule, there are lots of businesses that the general reaction is no. That, that That's kind of the default position. Can I do this? No. Well, well, why not? Well, because we we haven't done it before, or that's just not the way we do things. And then you say why, and the response is it, it, it's just we just don't do those things. One of the good things about working for WTMJ under good karma and, and also our previous iterations is this company has always been, as opposed to a business that just says no, it's always been a business that at least tries to find a way to say yes. Now that doesn't mean they always say yes, but it's okay. You go with this idea, or this is what's important to me, and this is what I want to do. And instead of simply saying, "Well, we've never done it that way before," no, the the idea is okay. Well, let's let's try to work this out and, and see if we can reason together and and come to an agreement. And and that willingness, I think, that's one of the reasons why I like working here so much because there's always, like I said, sometimes the the answer just has to be no, and I, I get that. But other times, it's okay, we're, we're going to see if we can make this work. And we understand why this is important, and we're going to try to make this work instead of simply saying, well, no, we've just never done it that way before. Um, and, I, and I really appreciate that, and I think that's one of the testaments. It's one of the reasons that I've enjoyed working here for such a very long period of time. And um, it, it's it's if you find a company like that that figures out a way to try to say yes Instead of just automatically saying no, my, my advice is just, just keep working for him because you're in a pretty darn good place. So anyhow, 6 to 7 o'clock tonight, um, ask Steve Wexler if you've got questions for the general manager. Um, he, he's the one to direct things to. I, I know there, there's common questions we get, when are you guys moving downtown? The short answer to that is I, I think the offices are moving into the Avenue sometime in the early to mid-summer. The studio going to be a little bit later than that, uh, but but we are going to be making the move. This is probably the last New Year's. Eve or the last Christmas at at Radio City, and um, I, you know, people say, "Well, how do you feel about that?" Well, I, I have I have mixed feelings. I, I certainly understand the move, and and I, from everything I am told, the new space is going to be absolutely spectacular. At the same time, I've been coming into work at the same place for you know decades, and you kind of get you kind of get attached to the old place. But then again, when you look up at the ceiling tiles that are getting ready to fall off and the water stains and things like that and the bathroom where only one sink and actually not just one sink, but only the hot water valve works, you say, oh, maybe a new place might not be that bad after all. In any event, any questions like that, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock tonight, Ask Steve Wexler. Back with more in just a minute.
0: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. (laughs)
2: Everybody's in the holiday spirit. Lots of nice texts coming in. Not not some of those, I can't believe you said this or that for shame. Um, one of our texters says, Jeff, you need an Ask Jeff Anything hour as well. No, I'm... <laughs> We, we, we do that maybe once a year, and and then I almost always come to regret it after that. You know, it's kind of, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm, my life is kind of an open book as as it is anyhow. But the but interesting thing, but talking to the general managers, you get an opportunity to have um, some insight from the perspective of a guy who makes a, a lot of the big decisions and things like that. I, I do want to say, and I just bootstrapping 2021 has been for whatever reason just at least from the perspective of our station in general but me in particular it's been an incredibly a successful year and i do appreciate everybody listening it means a lot to me okay we are all right well new year's eve is friday we talked about whether people are canceling plans saturday is new year's day 2022 2022. And 2022 is going to be a a big year Um, on the political front. It's going to be a big year. You've got um, control of the House Senate on a national level. If you're a political junkie, it's up for grabs. You have the, the Senate seat currently held by Ron Johnson. He has not told me anything privately that he hasn't said to other people publicly. I believe he's running again. I believe he's going to make an announcement shortly after the turn of the new year. But there's no guarantees of that. But in any event, regardless of whether he runs or not, you are going to have a contested Senate race in Wisconsin. And you are going to have if, if you're sick of political advertising, well, you know, just just batten down the hatches because, Ron Johnson, whether he runs or not uh, Wisconsin is the only state in the Union where Joe Biden won a state and there's a Republican Senate seat up for grabs if you follow that so th- this is viewed in a, in a in a country where it's 50 Democrats 50 Republicans in the US Senate and and every seat is is very much is very vital to determine which party controls the Senate Wisconsin is viewed probably as the top Pick up spot that is the most likely seat to flip hands, certainly by the Democrats, and you know there's going to be a ton of money that is going to be put into that. So you've got that race, you've got the governor's race, where it's starting to look like a two-person race. And it might be other people that emerge, but it's starting to look like Rebecca Clayfish and, and Tony Evers. You're going to have that going on. You're going to have the mayor's race in, in April in Milwaukee, and as we've said repeatedly, that in Milwaukee... Milwaukee does not exactly change mayors very often. What, in the last hundred years, there have really been six mayors. There's been two that served for, one served for two years, one served for a couple months. But otherwise, the other hundred years, there's been six mayors. So the, the person who gets elected mayor in April... Even though it's just a complete Tom Barrett's term, the odds are that person's going to be the mayor for a long time. So, you know, there's going to be a heated battle that we are going to be the epicenter once again of politics. You've got all the covid stuff that's going on. You've got the world of sports, the um, Bucks. What I think is they can get people healthy, probably as good a chance as any of of repeating and winning a second consecutive world championship. You know, will this be the year that the Packers finally get back to the Super Bowl and regardless of whether they get back to the Super Bowl, when training camp rolls around next year, what's Aaron Rodgers going to be? Is he still going to be with the Packers or is he going to be throwing footballs for the Denver Broncos or is he going to be trying out for some new game show? I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that is up in the air. So I thought we would have a little Bit of fun in the next segment or so, and rather than like ask Jeff anything, I, I want to ask you something. I want to ask you to make a prediction for next year. A prediction doesn't have to, and, it, and the prediction can be about anything. It can be from the world of sports. The Packers are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Aaron Rodgers is going to be gone. Aaron Rodgers is going to come back. The Bucks are going to win. It can be from the world of politics. I'm pretty sure my prediction is the next mayor of Milwaukee is going to be fill in the blank. Maybe it can be the world of business. I think the economy is going to just take off. I think COVID is going to go away as an issue by spring. You know, w- whatever Your chance to make a prediction, 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, and we do kind of record these, so you you have a chance. Maybe you're going to just absolutely nail something, and on the New Year's Eve show next year, we'll go back and we'll look at it and we'll say, hey, that that, that Frank from Sockville, he really nailed it. He's the one that saw X coming. 855-616-1620. It can be local. It can be state. It can be national. It can be international, one prediction that you would like to make for what is going to happen in 2022. It can be from the world of entertainment. You call it eight five five six one six one six twenty. 1620 your one prediction. We're back to discuss in just a moment.
1: You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All
2: five six one six That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is your opportunity to look into your crystal ball and make just one prediction. That's all I'm asking for, one prediction about something that you believe will happen in 2022 and it can be world of politics, world of sports, entertainment, you know, you you name it. Um just just overall, you know, public interest. A prediction that you make. 8556161620. Jeff, here is my prediction for 2022. Everyone will get COVID. Future strains, because it will keep mutating, will get milder and milder as it infects more and more vaccinated people, and it gets weaker. A yearly vaccination will keep it in check. Actually, I I I made a note when I was thinking about doing this as a topic. I... I, I agree in general with that prediction. My prediction was that COVID, as a compelling issue, will die down. That doesn't mean COVID is going to go away, but I think it, it's. I think it's true, and I think you're starting to see that more and more. I don't even know if you can call them breakthrough infections anymore. More and more people who are vaccinated and boosted are, are getting COVID, but the symptoms are extremely mild and or asymptomatic. I think that's what you're seeing. I think COVID is going to become endemic probably even sooner rather than later. And I mean, it's still going to be with us, but it's for the vast majority of people, we're going to stop worrying about the number of COVID infections, and we're going to start focusing on, again, the hospitalizations and the deaths. And I think they're going to go down dramatically because I do think large numbers of people are, in fact, going to get COVID. So I sort of, I agree with that. Jeff, here's my prediction. Ron Johnson defeats Mandela Barnes in the hotly contested November U.S. Senate race. I know there are some people out there who think that there's no way that Ron Johnson can be reelected. And I'm here to tell you you're wrong. I, I am am I willing to sit here and make a prediction that if Ron Johnson runs again, he, he's guaranteed to win? No, because I think it's going to be hotly contested. But you you need to have somebody who's you, you know, in order to beat somebody you need to have somebody yourself. And and I don't know. I think there's a lot of vetting that's going to go on. I think the jury is out on a lot of the Democrat candidates. I know you've got a guy like Alex Lasry who's going to have a ton of money that they're willing to put in. But at the same time, Alex Lasry... For people who liken him to Herb Cole, now Herb Cole was a Wisconsinite and a successful businessman who had a bazillion dollars. Alex Lazary, he's got a bazillion dollars, but he he's not a Wisconsinite. I think that's going to be a problem. Mandela Barnes has some stuff going for him, but uh, I it'll be curious to see. Whether or not he survives the vetting that a statewide campaign is going to do. 855 616 1620 Uh, predictions. Let's start with Dave and Eagle. Dave, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hi, Jeff. Hi, Dave. Um, You know, I've I've been, uh, when I saw Donald Trump and Ivanka standing in front of a television set during the insurrection and watching what was happening, immediately I thought that the next. Power broker in this is Ivanka. I'm not a, I'm not a Republican, but I predict that Ivanka Trump is going to emerge as uh, because Donald Trump doesn't have a chance of winning again. It's going to put Ivanka in that position because she's smart, she's beautiful, will probably listen to anything she has to say, and 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 swallow it hmm. and as truth.
2: So he's, you th- you think don- you savvy. think that don you think that Donald is going to kind of step back a couple steps and let his daughter take over some of the limelight, huh?
3: Absolutely, she's got the savvy, the looks, the uh-huh. uh, you know the, the backing of her father, and and I think the Republican Party would uh, would embrace her, and she might actually be good for this country.
2: Interesting. Um, that, okay, thanks for calling, Dave. I, no, I, I appreciate. It. I, I I guess my my biggest problem with that is not is not anything to do with Ivanka. It, it's the premise that Donald Trump is, is willing to step down and, and like turn the limelight over to somebody, even if it's a number family member. But you're on record. 855-616-1620. That's the accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. One prediction, something that you believe will happen in 2022.
1: You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
2: I do not remember the bear. A couple people are texting me. Somebody say, no, the bear was up. It was up on a tightrope, and it moved back and forth. I... I have, I mean, I remember Grand Avenue. It, I just got, gotten out of law school, when Grand Avenue opened, and I worked in at five seventeen East Wisconsin, the old, um, the, the old federal courthouse. It's what we call the old uh, federal building, and I mean, I can remember, especially when Grand Avenue was kind of hip and trendy. I can remember, you know, walking down there and going to the food court for lunch and things like that. I can remember there was a gimbal's and there was a Boston store, and I, so I, I mean, I remember there was a, a specialized, especially Penn store that I just used to love. So I can I mean, I remember I have a vivid memory of of the Avenue from back then just drawing a blank on the bear. But that's OK, because the bear is coming back. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your prediction for 2022. Uh, Jim in Illinois. Jim here on WTMJ.
3: Hi. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? you? Good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, too. My, my prediction is this. And I try to sit and think of something that could be really Insane, but this is what it was. Joe Biden unfortunately passes away. Kamala Harris becomes president. She picks Nancy Pelosi as vice president, and then the world just
2: goes crazy. <laughs> well, uh, well, well, thanks for calling, Joe. I, huh? I, you know, I mean, a number. It's funny. I, I, a number of people come up to me, and there, there is a, I, there, there are people who do not believe I know that, that Joe Biden's going to finish his term. And I, I don't by, by some means or, or another, whether it's a health issue or something like that. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he says he's got no health problems right now. I, I will say this. I the the, the idea if, if Kamala Harris sometime over the whether it's 2022 or moving forward becomes the, the president. I I cannot I cannot see a situation where she would reach out and 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 take Nancy Pelosi, who is essentially almost as old as Joe Biden, if not older, and and install her as the the vice president. I, I just I, I think it would be someone much younger than that. And, and candidly, and I've said this before about both Republican and Democrat candidates, I, I think we need to find younger people. I, I mean, I just, I I, I really do. I, I don't believe necessarily in age limits and stuff, but the fact that all our, our leaders in Congress are in their 80s, and you got senators who are running for re-election, who at the end of their term, if they're reelected, are going to be in their 90s. At, at some point in time, I, I just think there needs to be a kind of a passing of the baton. 855 Let's talk to uh, Chris and Racine. Chris, you're on WTMJ.
3: Uh, hi, Jeff. I think the Brewers are probably going to get rid of uh, uh, Yelich this season.
2: Oh, wow. Because well, a cost or production it, or what?
3: Well, yeah, the, between the two. His production was awful towards the end of last season. Yeah. And can they afford to, to pay a player who doesn't produce? Yeah, I like Yelich personally. Oh yeah, but uh, and I don't know who's I don't know who's going to want him, you know, at the cost of his contract. But uh, yeah. he just he just wasn't getting the job done.
2: No, well, thanks for the call, Chris. I get here. As a matter of fact, we um, a, a couple of people. Christian Yelich is actually the subject of a couple of our predictions. People are saying that they think his, his slide is going to turn around. Here, here's, I guess, here's my thought on that. And I I am a huge Brewers fan. I'm a partial season ticket holder, and I'm a huge Christian Yelich fan. I um I don't know what's happened in the last year and, and a half. It I, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a swing coach. It, it looks to me like his he it looks to me like his back is bothering him or was bothering him and it, and he's just all screwed up. I, I will say this: um, the Brewers, if they are going to get to the World Series, mm-hmm. they, they've got a, a great nucleus of a team, but they need Christian Yelich to perform at an All Star level. They they cannot have all the money that they've committed. And I think he's at the start. Isn't this the first year of his new contract? Doesn't that kick in? But you can't be paying, especially a team like Milwaukee with his payroll, you can't be paying all that money to Christian Yelich and not having him performing at, at an all-star, if not MVP type of level. He's young enough. I'm not willing to give up on him yet. And, I, again, I think there's physical ailments. I just don't think you... Generally speaking, when you're a world class athlete like that, and you're at the age he is, you just don't all of a sudden lose it. So, and, and plus, Yelich is a guy who strikes me as somebody who's going to who's, who's going to work hard. I mean, it's not he's not a guy who's going to be just comfortable cashing a, a check and and moving on. So, my. My hope I'm not making a prediction now but my my hope is he's able to turn it around because I think he's a large part of the Brewers fortunes and you you need Christian Yelich hitting 300 and knocking in, you know, 80 90 100 runs batted in a year you you can't take Christian Yelich striking out every third time and looking completely lost at the plate 855 616 1620 James on the South Side James you're on WTMJ good afternoon
0: yeah, Jeff, Thank I you. think you're going to see baseball uh, take a hiatus uh, next year because they're going to be on strike and that and uh, I be replaced by uh, soccer. You're uh, hmm. going to have soccer uh, coming uh, to Milwaukee and that, and maybe even some world soccer. Maybe uh, you change one, uh, team, one sport for another that you like.
2: Well, um, you think that... Uh you think that they they're not going to be able to come into an agreement and you think that we're going to be going through at least a spring and maybe a summer without baseball huh
0: well I think so because I think that they're overpaid Jeff and I think it's time uh, that the you know that that the money's t- you know there's yeah. walk and talk and all do all all <laughs> the other smoke and mirrors but uh, I think you're gonna see soccer come on in slide start sliding on in I think it's uh, I mean baseball's had its day and I think it's always uh, slip
2: away well James I, I guess I mean I, look I, I hope you're wrong because I love baseball um, right now you've got the lockout I guess the, the reason i I think you're wrong and the reason I think they're going to come up with some sort of agreement and I don't know when and maybe you lose some spring training games and stuff, but there's so much money involved you know it's it's you know a lot of times when you get business disputes it, it's because there, there's no money. You know, and, and, and you're fighting over over no money. With baseball, there's so much money that that's out there that it, it just, I find it hard to believe that both the owners and the players would would risk killing the, the goose that's laying the golden eggs, where you have all this money that's out there. I just, I find it hard to believe that you're going to do a work stoppage um, or continue a lockout, you know, so a quasi, you know, essentially force a. Not a strike, but the lockout. I, I find it hard to believe that you couldn't come to an agreement when you're talking about divvying up all this money, and especially for players who have a short career. Look, for for most ball players, they're, they're not in the major leagues for ten and fifteen and twenty years. Th- those are the exceptions. Most ball players have a narrow window of opportunity to, to play and, and make some money, and. I think for a lot of those ball players, there's incredible pressure to try to reach a deal. And again, from the owner's perspective, there, there's just so much money around. How can you forego it? Now, I, you know, I, I could very well be wrong about that, but it just, it just, when, when you've got this big giant pie to divide up, the idea that you would, I don't know, throw the pie off the wall and destroy it all as opposed to just figuring out who gets the very biggest slice of an enormous pie so everybody goes home happy if if they can't reach a deal man i'd just be shaking my head all right i'm gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna find out what greg matsik has on his mind for wisconsin's afternoon news stick around